following podcast is for informational purposes only. The contents of this podcast do not constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. Take responsibility for your own decisions, consult with the proper professionals, and do your own research. Welcome to the GRTIQ podcast. Today is a special edition of the podcast, and we're exploring an opportunity that many of you have probably been waiting for. On August 25th, 2022, the Graph Foundation announced the launch of the MIPS program, which stands for Migration Infrastructure Providers. Similar to Mission Control, which was the initial testnet that launched the Graph Network in July 2020 and introduced the first generation of indexers to the ecosystem, MIPS is a new incentivized program with the objective of adding new chains to the network. And as part of the MIPS announcement, the first chain that will be added is Gnosis Chain, one of the most widely adopted and used chains in Web3. MIPS is a unique opportunity for anyone who's ever contemplated becoming an indexer at the graph. Participants in the program will have a hands-on and historic role in expanding the network. Additionally, and as was the case with Mission Control, MIPS is also an opportunity for participants to earn rewards, take advantage of incentivization structures and educational opportunities, and, for some of you, enter into the next generation of indexers who will ensure the graph's place in a multi-chain future. Over the past 80 episodes of this podcast, I've had the opportunity to interview a handful of indexers, ranging from smaller indexers to some of the biggest in the network. And so today, we're going to take a look back and hear what they had to say, in hopes that it might help someone out there who's contemplating using MIPS as a launchpad into the role of indexer at the graph. So please enjoy this special edition of the GRTIQ podcast as we revisit the stories and advice shared by indexers hard at work in the graph ecosystem. And so let's begin with episode 33 and Index Africa, when Richie Laburn and Boyd Vardy talked about their decision to become an indexer at the graph. So we have a, a friend who, who was working on the graph protocol and we'd known him a long time and he, he knew that we were excited about new technologies coming out of the, particularly the West Coast um, and, and in the Web3 space. And he told us about the graph and said, oh, you, you know, you should, you should get involved as a curator. Um, this was about probably like July last year. And so we started to get more interested and more involved in it. And when it launched, um, you know, I, I was signed up as a curator and the, the real desire there was to just learn more about the graph and dig in further into how dApps and subgraphs work. Um, but what that gave me was it gave me an opportunity to meet people in the graph community. And I think that for me is the big tipping point, um, as I'm sure many other people in the graph community would attest, to just wanting to go fully fledged into it and commit a whole bunch of time and resources into, you know, spreading it where I could. And so that's that's really how the journey began. And as as I became more involved in the community and got to know people, I started talking with other indexers, and then this idea emerged about saying, well, there's no there's no infrastructure and in, uh, there's no hosting infrastructure or indexing infrastructure anywhere in Africa. And Boyd and I said, look, that's, this is our mission. Let's put Africa on the map. That's what we want to do. So we then went about and we set up our own node. And that was really the, the kind of genesis of, of where we find ourselves now. Yeah. So as I got introduced to the graph, I was going through an incredibly steep learning curve 
And really my learning curve was talking to people who had a deep understanding of the space. And quickly I understood the utility of the graph. And I started to get a sense of the potential that would come in the Web3 space and how the graph was centralized to that in some ways. The graph offered up opportunity for everyone to index data in this huge ecosystem. And so my involvement was really a, a layman being educated by experts through conversations. And it was just tremendously exciting for me. I, found, I felt like I was in a new world. And I was literally seeing a new world. And really, my, my learning curve was driven by excitement. You know, we were interested in what the graph could do and then learning about indexing and then learning about curation and learning how this network was fitted together and then starting to get a sense of how this community was supporting each other to create this. So it was really like learning driven by excitement. And here from episode 60, Dan Enright, offering advice to anyone contemplating becoming an indexer. Firstly, I'd say embarking on becoming an indexer is an investment in the graph ecosystem. So this can be a journey that can be started gradually. You can start by buying some GRT. You can start by delegating that GRT. And that way you get an understanding of the ecosystem, how indexing works, what the role of a delegate is within the network. All the different roles within the graph ecosystem are interconnected. So having that understanding of delegating and then moving on to an indexer is a good way to get started. When looking at becoming an indexer, there's a lot of helpful people within the graph community that you'll find if you join the Discord or you have a look at the forum. So that is a great first place to start when looking to become an indexer. There's also a testnet available for indexing upon, so you actually can understand what's involved in operating an indexer. You'll need to make decisions about whether you rent the server that you're going to run the indexer on, whether you're going to purchase the hardware. And there's people that are available to help answer these questions for you as well. One thing that I've found about indexing on the graph is that the community is very, very supportive. Uh, I've found other indexers in the mission control program, as well as those that have joined afterwards, to be extremely helpful within the graph discord. And here from episode 76, Derek Meyer with Data Nexus, offering some of his unique advice. Yeah, step one is definitely join the Graph Discord if you're not already. Go into the indexer channels, the testnet channels, and, and start asking questions. Start playing around using the monopoly money of, of a testnet and starting to see the indexer stack. And you're going to bang your head against 100 different problems. And there's there's kind of the uh, coder joke of, you know, 99 bugs in the code, 99 bugs, take one down, patch around 107 bugs in the code. Right. And so, and, and that's going to happen as you go through and you start to learn the technology stack and, and understand various aspects to it. And, you know, just be willing to go through that. It starts to get exciting. Every time you, you conquer another one, now you have more knowledge about a specific piece of the, the overall stack. So definitely jump in the discord. There's tons of people that are willing to help on, you know, help over there. So that's that's kind of just on the the technology side of things. In terms of the the operations side, take a look at some of the revenue, you know, incoming revenue and, and what you expect versus what you need to be making. Especially if you're planning on going full time, you know, you can do a reverse calculation of what you would make and then derive the amount that you would at least you would need as a bare minimum in order to get started. 
And taxes just plays a very big factor into that equation, which is why I kind of highlighted that is without a good plan, it, it can you know really eat away at your profits. So I would do do all the due diligence of really penciling that out and making sure that you have a long vision plan. When we launched Data Nexus, it wasn't like, okay, great, we're doing it this month and we'll see how it goes next month. It's like, no, we're we are doing this for years and that is our our trajectory and that's how far we were thinking when we were establishing this. So we need to have, you know, we're we're fully prepared to endure a long air mark. That's you know, that's totally fine. And, and we're ready to build the entire way through that. And having some of the future foresight into that is is definitely something that that I would recommend. And now episode 21 featuring Chris Ramos, founder of Chainflow, on why he decided to become an indexer at the graph. As I mentioned earlier, my entry point into the crypto world was through project management and product management. But, you know, about that same time that I started that exploration after seeing that sticker, I came across proof of stake. I guess this was mid-2016 when some of the early Ethereum Casper work was published. And, you know, I thought to myself that the Bitcoin mining ship had sailed for me. And as someone with an interest in telecom, data center, infrastructure, and telecommunications in general, I'd initially been attracted to mining. But, you know, as I said, that ship sailed because I didn't have the capital to buy servers that would compete and actually generate a return. So when proof of stake came along, I immediately thought of it as a more inclusive alternative to mining, essentially. And I was fortunate to become one of the first people to join the Cosmos Validator Working Group in October of 2017. So I was able to then put that theory to the test. And sure enough, at least in my case, you know, I was able to afford to, you know, buy or rent the servers I needed to to get started. And that started to prove out my theory that, hey, you know, I think I can participate in the staking economy in ways that weren't necessarily available in a proof of work environment because of the high costs associated with mining. And once I got into it, I started to brush off my old system administrator skills and realized that I really, really enjoyed it too. So over time, my work migrated from more of the project management side into more of the staking and Web3 infrastructure side of things. And over time, you know, once Cosmos launched and the staking networks started launching in pretty quick succession after that, I found myself to be in the fortunate position of being in early and started receiving lots of different invitations to participate in different networks. And that's how Chainflow was born. And now episode 16, featuring Chris Wessels, founder of GraphOps. GraphOps recently became a core dev team at The Graph, but initially started as an indexer. And here, Chris talks about those initial reasons why he decided to become an indexer. For me, it was a matter of leveraging existing skills, you know, specifically around large scale systems and infrastructure and, you know, running and maintaining big systems that serve lots of requests. 
you know, the, these are skills that I'd kind of developed in, in my professional career and feel tremendously relevant in the context of what it means to be a good and effective indexer. Um, so there was a really good natural fit with my skill set. But I think beyond that, you know, being a core participant in the network has always felt like a tremendous opportunity to impact the evolution of, of what I see as one of the most important protocols in the Web3 space. And, you know, zooming out or, or thinking even more holistically, you know, if we think of things like the graph as these new age institutions, a new way of, of collaborating and coordinating at a global scale around a common objective, we're really talking about working within systems that are completely new and, and innovative in, in the context of our history as a species. So the opportunity to be intimately engaged and involved in a protocol like that at this early stage is just absolutely tremendous and you know something that really attracted me to getting involved as well. In episode 58, I had the opportunity to talk to Vince Potosia of Notify. Vince is a newer indexer and shared his experience of joining the Graph Network. And here, Vince talks about what surprised him most during that experience. Well, initially, I thought what would surprise me most is the technical lift that it took and how I got there. But really, for me, it was joining the cohort of other indexers. And it's such a diverse group of talented people from all around the world that are really laser focused on the same vision at the end of the day. I think that it's kind of incredible. I mean, if you look, indexers are really competitors to each other in a data business at the end of the day. And the altruistic nature of the indexer community has been really astonishing to watch. Um, I'd advise anyone to attend Indexer office hours to really see what's going on behind the scenes with that community. And here's Kuhn from episode 19 with the Indexer Mind, Heart, Soul, talking about the nature of work that goes into being an indexer. Yeah, indexing is quite time consuming. It's all the technical work. It's understanding the protocol. It's keeping up to date with whatever is happening in the network. A good indexer will always read through the, all the information. There has been a lot improved in the, in the communication for the graph, but sometimes if you see that other indexes are facing a similar problem and you, so you read through that, what they're reading, uh, it can help you to run your own indexer smoother or better or whatever. Or when you see the same problem, you know, ah, oh, somebody had already this problem. I've seen the solution. Knowing what problems people face can help you, you know, troubleshoot your own or avoiding your own. So yeah, I think the, the best indexers will spend quite a significant amount of time running their operation. Here's Jim Cousins from episode 26, indexer with Wave 5, talking about the growth and future of the role of indexer at the graph. Something that we've, you know, thought about and we've debated a number of times now in the early days was, you know, this sort of requirement to have 100,000 GRT in order to start an indexer. And there's a good reason why that number is so high, right? This is not like your typical everyday garden variety proof of stake network where you, you go to the repo, read how to deploy the, the node, 
open some ports and away you go. You're validating transactions and you're taking delegations, et cetera. It's far more complex than that. And that's why there's such a capital requirement to, to get you started as an indexer. Now, I think it's important in the early days to have that sort of close-knit community, smaller community of indexers that can, you know, really work together. But there comes a point, right, where, you know, I'm in, the, I'm in a relations position at the, at the graph. So part of my job is to know the indexers and to talk to the indexers, who's the human behind the name, right? There's going to come a time when I can't do that anymore. And it's something we're thinking about quite a bit in the foundation now is how do we grow the indexer base, both through initiatives uh, and through technology. But as we're in this sort of, you know, I keep calling it the birthing phase because I really want to try and delineate this phase we're in now from like a growth phase, right? We're, we're in the birthing phase where it's very chaotic. That's the time when you want to have the real, the, the, the folks who have got the real skin in the game and are not going to disappear because things get a little bit harder, right? Once we can get over that and we have a, a good bit of the ambiguity behind us, I think that's the time when you want to start really pushing to grow the indexer community via multiple means. You know, maybe you've standardized the software and it's very easy to deploy an indexer now. So maybe you could consider dropping the, you know, the initial stake requirement. Maybe, uh, you know, Ethereum nodes are much easier to deploy. You don't need eight terabytes like you do today with an open Ethereum node. You maybe need 1.5 with an Aragon node. That's maybe another reason to consider, you know, making it less of a capital intensive requirement to join the network. But the reality also is that at this point where we're sort of, we're skewed towards the staking rewards, right? We don't have huge amounts of query business yet, right? We're, we're building to get there. In that situation, uh, it's very difficult for someone with a small stake, even 100,000 GRT, to, be very, you know, to make a big impact on the network and still make a return. You know, to give you an example, the small indexers that I talk to that have maybe just started on the network, they're looking at allocating to only one subgraph, right? Because if they allocate to any more than one subgraph every month, they immediately lose all of their profit via Ethereum transaction fees, right? So really now is not the time, in my opinion, to be concerned about the number of indexers. If, if we had a serious uh, sort of drop in those numbers, yes, I would be concerned. But the growth phase, I think, for indexers will correlate with the growth phase in the fees. So as we start to steer our strategies as indexers from optimizing for indexing rewards to optimizing for indexing rewards and query fees, that's the time when we can start to think about bringing a lot more indexers into the space. And there's loads of cool stuff going on right now, chats around you know, the things that the new core dev teams are bringing and how their new technologies make it a lot easier for you know, new people to start an indexing business. And here from episode seven is Gary Morris, sharing the unique experience he's had operating a smaller indexer, 0x Fury, while also working at a larger indexer, staking facilities. I would say there's a lot of challenges for, let's say, the little guys, the independent guys. Um, I can obviously observe how things go in a, a validator, uh, I, I guess you would, would say an industrial-grade validator outfit like staking facilities. Uh, you know, within my own operation, and then also contrast that to people I know in the community who are just up and coming, say, as, uh, with their indexer operations. Uh, and I think a lot of the little guys have a lot of challenges ahead of them, uh, or, or even that are on their shoulders at the moment. And a, a lot of that is, is to do with, you know, having the means to 
compete within the ecosystem because obviously hardware, OPEX, CAPEX, things like this, uh, not everyone has the means to get up to speed. And, you know, you also don't have additional staff members uh, initially who can help you with these things. So basically every task, every responsibility, every issue falls on your shoulders. But in that sense, they also have, in a way, an upper hand if they play it right. And this is something I've said to all the smaller indexers who've come to me with you know, doubts, concerns, and worries that they're not going to be able to maintain a role as an indexer in, in graph. And I've said that even successful large operations like stake facilities and, and other big names, they all have a lot of overhead to take care of, which obviously is taken care of by, you know, diversifying their time across many projects in most cases. You know, a lot of big name validators, they run 10, 20, maybe more projects, uh, maybe multiple nodes within those projects. So they have a lot of revenue streams. And some of these smaller guys, Graph could be their only revenue stream. But since they don't have the overheads and, you know, not just costs, but also time and, you know, distractions of, of running a big operation, I've always said to them that as long as you can make your operation lean and, you know, come in in a competitive way, whether it's on costs or how you spend your time versus the big guys, I feel like there's definitely a position for you in a project like Graph. And um, I think as long as the mechanics stay fair to, you know, indexes of all sizes and, and we try and balance the, you know, various variables of the protocol in a way that doesn't only benefit small indexes and doesn't only benefit large indexes. I think there's going to be a chance for every good actor of every size to compete. And here's Payne from episode 27 with Stake Squid, talking about his experience being a validator in multiple networks and how being an indexer at the graph is different. Oh man, <laughs> don't get me started. It's everything else is quite literally at this point, given that the, those, those networks and protocols are quite old on the, the market stuff like solana for example is literally just you plug a few commands and you you press start and it magically works for the graph we try to do something similar by running uh, like, like by having our docker compose stack that i think most of the network uses at night right now but it's a lot more different i don't know how to explain it like the, the graph has so many moving parts compared to like solana for example right in, in the graph stack, you have the graph node, which you can split it into two, the query and the index node. And then you have the index agent, the index service, the database or databases, depending on how much you want to scale or um, have redundancy and stuff. Um, it's a very complex system compared to, uh, to Mina, Solana, Avalanche and that sort of stuff. And, and and this is the reason why I love the graph so much because it's 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 so different than anything else and it's always you always have something new to learn you always find things to uh, to do things to improve things to um, to work on I'm not aware if you know but uh, recently I've been uh, working on the testnet repository uh, I had an advanced configuration uh, that was using as a separate branch. But now I integrated it into the main branch. And technically speaking, anyone that was running the old version before and upgrades now, uh, it'd be 
basically seamless upgrade. You, you don't need to, to do anything manually. Just make sure that you have the right environment variables, <laughs> which, which is fun. And it's, it's a lot more configurable than the normal stack that we were running before, for example. And we, we're planning to um, work on that going forward to make it even more robust and even to give people even more choices of configuration. And here from episode 31 is Alex Falco from Citadel One. Similar to Stake Squid, Citadel One is a validator on multiple networks. And here Alex talks about how being an indexer at the graph is different. You know, uh, if you are working with like a lot of uh, networks, you can classify crypto space. At least that's what we are trying to do inside our team. And uh, if you will ask me, uh, like I believe like uh, we have like uh, layer one protocols, which is like Bitcoin or Ethereum or basically Cardano, Solana, just any layer one solution, which allows a lot of like depths to build on top of that. Then we have some kind of layer zero solution, which are Cosmos and Polkadot for sure. And then we have uh, like a middle layer. So Graph, it's like the example of a middle layer protocol solution. It's a kind of a protocol which like connects everything and provides data like for uh, all those other layers. And uh, again, like in physics, we have like gluons. It's like a subatomic particles which glue all the stuff together. And uh, like the best possible comparison I can provide, it's like the graph is what is gluons for subatomic particles. And uh, of course, it is different from other middle layer solutions such as oracles. Uh, Link is the most popular one, then some others. But unlike them, graph is providing a kind of decentralized APIs. And uh, I believe like it's quite rare, how to say network, because uh, if you will ask me, I cannot name you like the, the second one, which do the same stuff which Graph do. And for, for us, it was like a no brainer to launch a Graph indexer nodes because uh, we are trying to get to those which like those solutions which we believe would be like the essential part of the coming web free world. So Graph, in my opinion, like is unique and very important in that sense. And finally, from episode 10, Constantine from P2P. P2P is one of the largest indexers at the graph and also a very large validator throughout the Web3 ecosystem. Here, Constantine talks about why P2P got involved with the graph. We was uh, kind of early investors in the graph because team is uh, pretty strong and uh, actually main idea of the graph it's pretty cool and pretty helpful for the blockchain the graph network it is um, actually only one project about infrastructure itself you can hear about a lot about chain link or maybe even tezos or any other but uh, the graph it's um, not something like pretty common or something that a lot of people speaking about because it is just a really working project with working utility tokens. A couple of days ago, one of the, I think it was a delegator, he asked in the Discord about uh, the graph and why it is so quiet about uh, the graph inside of the cryptocurrency communities and uh, why I didn't hear about it uh, a lot because I don't know. It is a really important project because a lot of decentralization, uh, decentralized application already based on the graph. And 
is a really cool product which allow to work with blockchains and speed up all transactions and get all information to your dApp ready quick. And it's obviously is a groundbreaking project that could be one of the base projects in the Web3. And it's actually pretty interesting why so small amount of people speaking about it. And I think main reason is the crypto community most focused on the price conversation about pump and dump shams and not about technology itself. But in case of uh, the graph, we can find pretty good team with really strong developers and uh, really good tokenomics. And in the same time, we have project that could be base for all future decentralized applications. It was a great opportunity for us just uh, join to the graph network, not only as a early investor, but also as a part of the community. And that's why we started as an indexer, because we already had some experience with other networks. This has been a production of the GRT IQ podcast. For more information, including detailed show notes, visit grtiq.com slash podcast. That's grtiq.com slash podcast. Please consider contributing to this project and helping build the community by subscribing and leaving a review. G-R-T-I-Q podcast. Roger that.